What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Come At Me, Bro. This is episode 26. I'm one of your hosts, Joey, joined alongside Drew. I was told I have a good radio voice. And Tyler. Mine keeps changing for some reason, and it takes forever to put a four-month-old to bed. It's well, Derry can help with the voice, or Derry could be what's messing up your voice. As far as the child goes, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you on that one. We tried turning it off and turning it back on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Several times, several <laughs> ah, times I've tried, <laughs> and it, he he doesn't seem to doesn't seem to be working very well. So my wife's taking over and trying her two cents. I'm I'm probably a ninety five percent. I'm ninety five percent in getting him to bed successfully. That's impressive. Now yeah, that's you, a pretty good rate. You try to do a a range of like say you know twenty minutes to forty five minutes. You know it's probably closer to thirty minutes before I get him to bed, but. I'm a 95% success rate, and unfortunately tonight was a failure rate. So put that in the, the wrong category where I was unable to successfully put him to bed. So I'm a little disappointed. Kind of like the way that all of the NHL teams tried to put all their weak counterparts to bed but couldn't instead got eliminated. Yeah. If that makes so any sense. Some of them got swept. Ugh. Badly. Yeah, so we can hop over to NHL, and then we are going to hop back to the Kentucky Derby. But first, NHL. So looking at some of these series, we had the Predators lose to Dallas four to two. We don't. We don't and have then, to talk about that one. Oh wow! <laughs> I I think we do. And we had St. Louis with the win over the Jets as well, moving on four two. That sets us up for what we see now as a Dallas St. Louis three three tie. Who are you boys taking out of this one, and why? Well, I mean, I I didn't think any of these. I didn't think Dallas or I already forgot the other team because um, my lack Lewis. of sleep. Yeah, St. Louis, Louis uh, would not get far. I mean, St. Louis, the only guy I know is Riley, who used to play for the Sabres, um, who's good. Uh, or maybe he plays for Columbus. I don't remember. Sleep's getting to me. Um, hmm. The uh, And then I don't know if Dallas's head coach is still Lindy Ruff, who's also a Buffalo Sabres guy who coached the Sabres for a very long time before they got rid of him. Um which they should have never gotten rid of him. But besides the fact, uh, besides that, um, I'm going to go with St. Louis. Okay, I like the pick. St. Louis did win Game Six, four to one, uh, and they are heading back to St. Louis for Game Seven. Drew, um, I think I'm going with Dallas here, partially because they did eliminate the Predators, um, and I don't remember the specifics, but way back when I first got into hockey when I was in college. Uh, the Blues knocked the Predators out of the playoffs a couple times, so I kind of have this uh, this this urge to cheer against them. Um, that's probably way rooted in something that doesn't matter at this point, but because it was in my formative hockey years, it's just there. So um, plus, I kind of like pulling for teams where it's hard to imagine they're even able to play hockey. So like being able to even have ice in Dallas is funny to me. So I kind of like pulling for them. Same reason I like to pull for San Jose. Uh, yeah, this one's tough for me. Uh, in particular, it doesn't feel like home ice has been an advantage for any of these teams throughout the series. In fact, I think all both teams have been doing better away. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm leaning toward Dallas as well. But St. Louis with a 4-1 is the biggest margin win of the series as well in Game 6. So St. Louis does have the momentum, but I'm going to flip to Dallas as well for Game 7. It's hard to imagine either team really having a lot of momentum just with the back and forth they've had. 
Right. I think the only thing you can come up with is the three-goal lead in the last game. But other than that, I mean, there's not really too much here because everything's been decided by one goal, it feels like. Except for game four, which is two goals, but I'm sure there was an open netter there. Um, I mean, I'm really surprised with Carolina. I don't know if – which is on the eastern side. Um, they, I mean, they just swept the Islanders who had a Stanley Cup champion coach – in Barry Trotz, that went from the Capitals to the Islanders. Islanders is a very good team <laughs> who eliminated the Penguins. And Carolina just put a can of whoop uh, you know what, on the Islanders. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They went from, yeah, like you said, that back-and-forth grind with the Caps to just making it look easy. Four games, no, I mean, time to rest. like Yeah. No, I mean, most of the, the, the first two games were by one goal. And the first game was 1-0 in overtime. Um, so that's a long game, but game three and four were easy five two five two um for Carolina, so you know it it's I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina went to the cup. Oh, I wouldn't either at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the New York Islanders, you can say, hey, they had Trotz as their head coach, which is a great move. They took Pittsburgh down four zero, but even more important than that, they had Drew and I's prediction to go all the way. And they just let us down, Drew. An 0-4 here to Carolina. It was ugly. It was awful. Goes to show you for our listeners, if you want hockey, don't listen to us. Yeah, apparently we we did not predict that series very well. We haven't done bad at all in these other series. Um, at least, well, I don't think we did the first round too, too much uh, till the later stages. I think the Lightning had already been knocked out in Calgary, so we wouldn't have had a chance to predict those anyway. Not that we would have. Um, but Carolina looking really hot, 4-0 in that one, 4-3 over the Capitals, the defending champions as well. They're looking pretty clear-cut, already sitting in the semis. They will be up against the winner of, I believe it is going to be the Columbus Blue Jackets and Boston. Boston leads the series 3-2. Columbus took down the Tampa Bay Lightning, the President's Trophy winner, heading into this series. Okay, Drew, are you taking the Boston Bruins or the Columbus Blue Jackets? This is another one that I'm really struggling with i mean and if you look at the games and the, the series it's it's easy to struggle with it you know i i wouldn't want to try to be a professional trying to pick this for a living because uh, these are these are two teams that are just very physical and good teams uh very evenly matched very team oriented approach um i'm i'm kind of going with the blue jackets i think again not because of any particular player or matchup but because they seem to be so evenly matched i feel like i can just pick who I want to win. Um, and I like that you know, this is their first year winning a series. So, uh, you know, that run continuing just sounds fun. Uh, I'll hop in next. I'm going to take Boston. I think the Bruins come out of this. They have a 3-2 lead, so they only need one more to go. Boston won the last two games, 4-1 and 4-3 respectively. So for me, Boston just looks like they are the team to beat. I don't want to discredit Columbus for their win over Tampa. It was a huge win. At the same point, I think Tampa was not expecting them to put up the level of competition they did. And because of that, they ended up getting swept as well as, like Tyler said in previous episodes, they did not make the coaching changes they needed to as well in that series. So for me, I think Columbus got a little, they surprised the Lightning, let's say, in the first series. Uh, Again, not to discredit their win, but I think there was a big element of surprise as well as being a little bit more on their feet than the Lightning were. And I think that's starting to fizzle out in this Boston series. I think Boston wins 4-2. Tyler, Boston, Blue Jackets. Well, I'm I'm in pretty much a Boston hater at heart, so I want to go with Columbus, but I think Boston's, gonna, <laughs> Boston's probably going to pull it out, unfortunately. It's something um, I love about you, Tyler. So, <laughs> I'm just not a New England fan. I mean, I like Boston the city. I've been there. It's not bad, except when you're driving, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not a New England fan, so 
I don't know. Did any of you see the? I don't know if you guys saw this, but speaking of Boston and New England, Tom Brady throw a football through what's his face's window. I mean, I know it was like kind of an acting job with Jimmy Kimmel. No, did you see that? No, I didn't. So there was, I guess, Jimmy Kimmel and the guy who's in Born Identity. Uh, Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Damon yeah. I guess they have a feud, and so like Jimmy Kimmel yeah, is yeah. like, "Hey, hey, Tom Brady, like throw this football. I bet you can't throw the football through the window." And Tom Brady's like, "Yeah, I can. Duh. I'm like Tom Brady. I can do whatever I want." And so he goes ahead, throws the football at you know through his window, which I don't know what right-minded person would just say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go throw a ball through a window because someone told me to." Hmm. Um, and he did it, and so then Matt Damon came out. So I don't know where that story was going, but um, <laughs> I guess. What have you guys? New England. <laughs> what have you guys? Have you guys broken anything like windows wise before with sports at all? Oh, um, I've never broken a window, but I remember uh, growing up at my buddy Cody's house. We had this like cheap inflatable rubber ball, and we were playing within the living room, like soccer, kicking it back and forth. And uh, I kicked it at him. It hit off his knee and went straight up and uh, hit the cover of the light fixture. And we watched the light fixture rattle, and then it just <laughs> dropped and shattered. Uh, so we scattered and tried to pretend it wasn't us. <laughs> scattered like little mice. And how did that work out for you, Drew? Uh, it was very clear that it was us, and we realized that about 12 seconds later, so we went back. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, where would you have hide? Uh, like, we could have went outside and pretended we'd been outside playing basketball, and it just randomly fell. Or we could have went in his room and pretended we were playing Halo, and it just randomly just fell. Like, uh, said I, there's I an know. earthquake. Now whose yeah, fault is that? You know, or uh, a bandit broke in and broke the thing and ran out. I don't know. Now whose fault we like, is that? We were like twelve. We didn't. We weren't thinking that far ahead. Who, is <laughs> also, that we're guy, definitely older than we should have been. Is that the guy with the, the knee, or is it the fact that you kicked it? Uh, I was the fact that we were playing soccer-ish games at all in the house. So it's both of us. Okay, I would have blamed it on the guy with the knee. So uh, touched him last. Oh my god! It was his house, so. Touch some last. Uh, things Joey I've broken. Too much. Things I've broken as uh, a window. We were my brother and I were. I think we had badminton and we had gumballs and we tried to hit them over the house, two story house. <laughs> Wait, and how so, did you break a window playing badminton? Gumballs. Well, no, we were, that's what he we were hitting said. gumballs. How over the house. hard are you throwing that or like hitting it we're though? Throw, I mean, we're, we're hitting them over the. I mean, think of a two story house. You're trying to like hit windows. you know. And you just hit it at the right spot. Oh, and you just had a really, really bad angle and hit it going on the upward. Or a really yeah. fat gumball. Like, I mean, sometimes those things can be like, the green Gosh. ones are like okay, solid. Okay. They are. Like, they're super hard to bite into. I remember that as a kid. You, you say bite into? You don't, you don't bite a gumball. Why are you eating gumballs? I mean, isn't that what you do with a gumball? Oh, okay. Sorry. Think of like a gumball I they were tree. I pecking siblings. <laughs> you know what a gumball tree is? Oh, you're not talking about an actual gumball. No. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Gumballs from the tree. Yeah, yeah. I, we never called them that. What'd you call them? Oh, what'd you call them? Uh, well, it depends on which tree it is. No, no they, it's, it's only one gumball tree. Look, the only gumball tree that I can imagine sounds like a fantastic thing because it's producing colorful, sugary gumballs. So no, 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 no. This is not like a Geico commercial where like sprinkles is coming out of the ground and it's like, oh, we struck sprinkles. We you struck know? sprinkles. No. I'm no. I'm googling gumball tree right now because oh now I just oh like, okay. Yeah. Once you see those sweet gums, okay. yeah, sweet gums. That's the name gums. of the tree. That sounds it's more a like a candy than the other one. They're called gumball trees. Yeah, we just called them little. We just called them little spiky balls. 
Spiky balls. Okay, okay but do you see what I mean? That they're not very hard. Yeah, nor are they. Like, you'd have to hit that thing freaking real hard. Well, but you get, get to break it, a window. Get the green got, ones. The yeah, green exactly. ones are solid. Yeah, before they've opened up and yeah. dried out. Type in gotcha, sweet. Type okay. in sweet gum. Ball. No, trees. I know what you're talking about now. So yeah. Um, I'm I'm with so, you now, and I agree with wow, you. Wow, we were all over the place on that one. And then the other <laughs> thing I broke was when we were playing hockey. We had a light above in our driveway, and so you know one just hits off like the goalpost and it goes straight up and hits the hits the light, so it shattered the light um, above the garage. But those are the only two things I think I can I've broken from a house wise. Joey, anything for you? Yeah, I don't think I ever broke anything. I remember hitting things. A lot, but I don't think they ever went through. Like a lot of them were on bounces, like punting a football in the backyard, and then it takes a weird bounce and hits a window. Yeah, but I don't think it ever broke. Well, okay, I never broke glass, but I'm pretty sure we put holes through sheds before. How? Wait, holes through a shed? You have a gun? No, no, no. We were throwing baseballs and things at each other, playing dodgeball. It went through the shed. Wait, you're throwing baseballs for dodgeball? No. Yeah, I think we. It was like a softball. Um. So one of my friend's sisters played on the softball team, and I think we were throwing softballs at each other as hard as we could trying to dodge them. Softballs are not— It was a terrible so- decision in hindsight, um, but I'm pretty sure we put a hole through his shed doing that. I think that. I'd rather get hit by a baseball than a softball. Yeah, softballs are bigger. There's, like, a bigger radius. I think baseballs hit harder, though. I mean, they're a little softer for the original hit, but you can also throw those things faster, I feel like. Softballs or baseballs? Baseballs. I think baseballs can be thrown faster. Why the heck were you throwing softballs at each other? You're well, idiot. yes, thank you. Childhood, man, childhood. We've come a long way since then. Done a lot of stupid kid things as a kid, yeah. You know what people? You know what people throw at each other uh, these days? I probably don't want to know. <laughs> oh my gosh, probably it's gumballs. come full circle. <laughs> Speaking of that, let's take a full circle with our topic as well. Back to the Stanley Cup playoffs because we have one more matchup to hit on. And that is going to be the Colorado Avalanche taking down the Calgary Flames 4-1 in the original series. Now up against the San Jose Sharks, who took down uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, who were in last year's Stanley Cup final and lost to the Capitals. San Jose came in that one 4-3, and we now have a 3-2 lead in favor of San Jose. And Drew, did you say they play tonight as well? They do. They play at 10 o'clock. Okay, so they are later tonight. San Jose leads 3-2. Uh, I'm going to stick with San Jose in this one. They were my pick to go up against the Islanders, who will no longer be meeting them there. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at a San Jose-Carolina final now. Uh, I hope I did not jinx one of those teams saying that, but I'm thinking it's very possible. San Jose, to me, is still the strongest team on this side. Colorado has a lot of talented young players, but I think San Jose has too much veteran experience for them. Yeah, and it's been a very back-and-forth series and uh i think even now just statistically it's an easier one to pick the sharks because uh the avalanche would have to win two in a row at this point you know they'd have to win tonight and then go to san jose and win a second in a row in a game seven uh where at an arena that would just be electric so i i think the sharks have this i'm with you i like the west west coast east coast matchup there yeah, going off pattern, it looks like it's been back and forth every single game. So if we go off the pattern, Colorado should win game six tonight. Tyler, are you sticking with the pattern, or are you going San Jose as well? I'm going San Jose. They're 5-1 and one when it comes to elimination games, so they need to really put this one away. Um, both teams have been sucking on special teams, uh, going 2 for 17 and 2 for 16. So if you want power play goals, you're not going to get it with either of these teams because both of them have 
excellent uh, defensive power plays. So if if San Jose really wants to to I mean they like I said they're five and one elimination games. They don't the last thing they this is their game seven um, to say okay we're done with it and we go on to the next round whoever we face next. So um, it really it's I think San Jose's got this one. And we'll have to wait and see that outcome. It could be decided tonight. It could be decided later on. But I know Drew and I have been chomping at the bit for this one. We are out of the gates for the Kentucky Derby. We have our winner for this year. It is Country House coming in first as the number 20 horse. Maximum And then security. we have number 13, what? Code of Honor, coming in second. And number eight, Tacticus, <laughs> rounding out the podium in third. Uh, yeah, a lot of drama with this one. Maximum security finishing by a couple furlengths, I believe, at the end of the race. Um, I, unfortunately, did not get to see it live, but I know Drew did. There was a bit of a mishap that happened during the race, and it got called into question. 20 minutes later, maximum security got bumped all the way down to 17th, and Country House takes the win on huge odds. Drew, so explain to us what happened during the race that made the switch. So the the main thing that came into question was coming around the final turn. Um, well, let me back up just a bit. So in horse racing... The way it works, this isn't NASCAR. There's no bump and run. You're you're not allowed to make contact or interfere with another horse, uh, because they're living they're living things and they're so fragile in the way they run. Any sort of interference can cause a pretty catastrophic accident for the animal and for the rider. So the rule is you can't come out of your lane um, un- unless you have full clearance and you're not going to interfere with another horse at all. Um, so, unfortunately, coming around the final turn, uh, National Security uh, actually drifted from p- lane one, the very most inside, out to about the fourth uh, lane with, with the muddy track conditions. <laughs> it was hard to tell for sure, but it was it was very clear that he moved over several lanes and caused four or five of the horses, at least, to really bunch up. Uh, they zoomed in on the hooves, and the hooves are just barely missing each other, mixing in together. They were actually bumping against each other. Um, for the for the jockey reined him back in, and then it was just he was gone. Um, it, it was no contest. He was gonna win that no matter how that final turn had had played out. But uh, they they had to review that after two two separate jockeys petitioned for a review. Um, and by by letter of the law and by the video evidence, it was very clear that he did interfere with some horses. Uh, it was I don't think he interfered with uh, the horse who ended up being given the victory. Um, so I'm not sure that it really made a difference, but that was not the determination that was made. So I believe they said he got in front. It was either I think it was War of Will that he got in front of, um, and they're saying that because he moved in front of War of Will. That ended up switching all the other horses behind War of Will all the way back to that 16th spot, which is why we see uh, Maximum Security dropping all the way back into 17th in the finishing. So, I I don't know. I feel like, and Drew, you mentioned this before, some of it is because it's a young horse. Some of it is because the horse just got a bit nervous on the field. At the same point, I'm kind of thinking the conditions are so muddy. You have to expect hooves to slip a bit here and there. I I just don't know if I like this call, especially 20 minutes later. To come out, it almost feels like if a team were to score a touchdown, like the Saints game, for example, in the playoffs this past year, like if they were to come out 20 minutes after the game ended and overturn the call, it just, I mean, obviously it's different because there were more plays that happened after that and very, very different situation. But I mean, like to have a call come out this much later, it just, it feels kind of messy to me. Well, so it sounds like it, but 
from the get-go, like as soon as it was over, it was challenged and it was made clear that they were reviewing it. And the reason it takes so long is part of their review process involves talking to all of the affected jockeys. So they get the viewpoint and perspective of everyone who is impacted on the track as well as reviewing all the different video angles and inputs. So it wasn't just a bombshell that they came out of nowhere and said, hey, this is what happened. It was, as soon as the result was in, hey, we have a challenge that we have to review. And there was constant communication and, and stuff going on during that. So it wasn't it wasn't a surprise 20 minutes later. It was, everyone knew something was, was getting looked at and, and why. I agree, it's a long time for a review to take, but when you're actually having to interview people and they're having to clean up and catch their breath and get to a position where they can even talk to somebody, right. uh, and there's 15 of them, like that's going to take a lot of time. But it it still felt wrong. Um, I don't know enough about horse racing to really be able to say that for a fact, but as a casual observer, it, it felt wrong. And I know Maximum Security, the owner of that horse, is actually submitting a reappeal as well, um, trying to denied. get it overturned again. Oh, it did get denied. Yep, just okay. uh, probably just a little bit before we started on here, actually. Okay, so that has been denied, um, and he did pull Maximum Security out of the Preakness as well. So he says, "Hey, I don't have a chance at a Triple Crown. We're not going to run this horse again." And Drew and I were talking before the show, and it does make a lot of sense pulling him out. It comes off seeming kind of salty at first, but. Drew made a very good point because then you have an opportunity to kind of keep that horse at the younger age and you can run him further down the road and you're really not risking something two weeks later with a huge turnaround in a high intensive race like the Preakness again. You know, if this was going to be his last year running, then yeah, you go ahead and you put him in the Preakness because he's never going to run again, but he's got, he's got several seasons left in him. So, uh, so overall, I, do you remember the horses that submitted appeal? Well, not the horses, I guess the owners of the horses. Um, was it country house and code of honor? Um, I think so. I know for sure Country House was one of them. Uh, and War of Will might have actually submitted one as well, but I, I can't remember. I, I know Country House for a fact. I know it was two of them. Second. It might be War of Will then instead of Code of Honor. But yeah, definitely Country House. I, I, the, the thing that I find really interesting from this is then that I saw on all the discussion on, on the Twitterverse and such was... Going back to this idea of reviews in sports, it's been a hot topic for several years now, and you touched on it with your your twenty minute point. Um, not that you took twenty minutes to give the point. Um, your point about <laughs> it taking twenty minutes. I got you. Um, I got you. That is it. Is review like this really actually good for sports? I mean, this was the first time that a horse that f placed first in the Derby had been disqualified for something on the track. There was one other time where a horse was disqualified, but that was because it failed a drug test after the race. Um, that had nothing to do with what it did on the track. So this is very precedent-setting. Um, and again, you look at the evidence and everything, you could understand why they had to do it. But if review wasn't something they could do, and they had to do it based on what they saw during the race, you know, we'd have a different result. There's no way they would have been able to say, yeah, we saw this happen. Or maybe they would have. Maybe they would have more spotters and you know not rely on the cameras. Um, but but a lot of people feel like these sort of reviews take a lot of the the fun and the the chance. I'll say that that goes into sports and into the results of sports. You know, they talked about it um, with the Saints thing, and in that case, you know, having all this review power and not being able to overturn 
the most glaringly terrible call in the history of football. Um, or I don't remember what the, there was a goal a few weeks ago in soccer that I remember you and Tyler, especially the being up in arms call, about. Yep. Yeah. That one that was a, you know, a ridiculously, you know, close call that while technically correct, just didn't feel right in the spirit of the game. So is it just brings this whole issue back up. Is review really good for sports? Do people want more review? Do they want different review? Is it always going to be something that people are in favor of when it helps them, but then they're not in favor of it when they feel like it ruins some fun or it goes against them? What do you think? So let me rewind back 27, 30. Now um, we, so what Joey was saying about the review. Well, so when it's left, when it's guy, when it's a buzzer beater, you can review it after it. You know, you can you can review that. That's what horse racing is. It's at the last very second. Um, so when you have a buzzer beater, referees want to review it. You know, they can review it. It's the same thing with the horse racing call. In my opinion, that's how it kind of worked. Um, second thing with the, uh, I forget what the other topic was before we got into review with horse racing. Oh, so when I saw it, I I turned the channel on and I was like, oh, you know, I missed the race, but maybe who I can see who won. And they were still reviewing it at the time. And it was pretty funny going back and forth, seeing the different jockeys, like not wanting to really say like who won. Um, but I guess before we get into the review thing, I wanted to, did you guys, Drew, I'm guessing you saw the whole, you saw the whole thing for the 20 minutes, was it awkward seeing both jockeys? Or what I'm trying to say is, who do you think felt was either more excited or more disappointed? Was it the fact that, you know, the guy who thought he won lost maximum security, or was it Country House? Was he more surprised, do you think? That's really tough. It was It was definitely interesting because maximum security's writer was just, beyond thrilled he's 27 and it was his lifelong dream he grew up riding horses in panama like everything about it was picture perfect you know and then everything happened and then they were interviewing the the writer for country house and he was really good he was very gracious he was very humble um and it was just a little disappointing for him because all the questions were about like well does this mean anything different to you because of the circumstances you know it's it's your first time winning a triple crown race so like it should have been a really big deal for him and all he can all he's getting are these questions about you know how does it feel like a technicality to you and then does it feel okay and all these questions and ah, i i don't know who it was worse for or who who felt more awkward that that's a really tough one i really just feel bad for both of them Oh, I'll tell you the answer. It's Maximum Security's owner. <laughs> that man is mad salty, and I don't blame him. I mean, you lose a ton here. You lose the opportunity for a triple crown with a great horse here in Maximum Security. I would argue he is the best horse on this field, regardless of what these results say in front of us. I mean, he just looks so good. We also had the top trainer in the world come out for horse racing and say that he thinks this was a bad call. They should not have done this. He said even if there was something that should have been done there, people should just take it as is. The Kentucky Derby is very, very different than any other horse race. And 
he even came out and he said he doesn't think the same rule should even apply. He thinks the Kentucky Derby should have its own rules because it's so different than any other race, not only because of all the really history behind it, but because of the fact it's such a big field. None of these horses are used to racing a 20-horse field. And the fact that they had 20 horses in this field makes a huge, huge difference as far as the competition and how these rules align. It is so much harder. Well, yeah, and you had muddy conditions on the field. I mean, but I think that is a huge, and it's a really good point. And the one thing, I mean, he ended up winning money with this change, and he still goes against the call. And I think one of the big reasons is because of the 20 horses. And to me, I feel like it does make an impact in how you're able to stay in your lane. Yes, if you're the leader, it's going to be a lot easier. But if you're the second, third, fourth horse, it becomes so crowded in this field at certain points because there are so many horses on it. I just, I kind of feel I'm with him on this, to be honest. I think the call was probably right, even though it's it's so minuscule, but it could have made a different impact in the game uh, or in the field of play, I guess you could say. I still think maximum security would finish in the top three. But overall, this little infraction because of a scared horse and a muddy track, this is what you ended up with. But moving forward, I mean, maybe this is something they do need to look at, like lightening the rules a little bit. At the same point, then that opens up a lot of avenues for different people to start cheating in a sense compared to normal horse racing. So it is a very messy slope if you go that way. Who's saying that? The top trainer in the world, Bafford. Oh. Wait, did he win money? He did. Yeah, well, I mean, he can, yeah. Of course, the winner's going to be like, yeah, you know, you should probably change it, but, you know, screw all you, I won. You well, know? no, he didn't win Whatever. overall. He placed, he would not have placed if this change did not go through. He finished in fourth and fifth. To okay, his yeah. Horses. Still, he, he still, he still's like, yeah, what, you know, I'm, I'm still come out. I can say whatever I want to say. And even the, even a loser can say, you know, this is a stupid race. They can literally say anything they want. It's the Kentucky Derby. A race is a race that's been there for 144 years for for a reason. And because of one technicality, now they're going to start changing everything? Yeah, right. I mean, these days they do change it, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But, you know, how soft are they to change something that's been great for the last 145 years and it just happened to be that in the 145th year that there's been a technicality and now we have technology to see. Because you go 40 years back, no one's going to no challenge that. No, it's all cameras. It's all about cameras. And I don't think they'll change anything either, to be honest, just because of the history of the race. I think I would highly doubt it because it also opens up so many possibilities for people to question the whole system. I just, I really don't think it changes. At the same point, I do think there is a point here because there's so many horses on the field, messy track, a slight move of a, like a scared young horse. I don't know. Like, I guess I don't watch enough when horse racing. When is the track not messy? Oh, all the time. I feel like every time... Every time I see a horse race, it's always wet. The conditions are terrible. I don't know remember the last time I've seen a horse race where it's been crystal clear, you know, pristine conditions, great track. It's always muddy, wet, soaking, no, no, thunderstorms, no, no. you name it. I mean, it's no sleet, snow. Especially the Crown. It's everything. I've never seen Yeah, I don't I've think never so. There's been a lot of really in, clean races out there, to be honest. Yeah. The last two Kentucky Derbies have been like this, but before that, there was a span. But of that no, it has not, nice not when not when the Preakness or the Kentucky Derby. I feel like the last. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm, yeah, and my family goes to the Preakness like every year, and it's been pretty good weather most of them. Your family goes to the Preakness. Yeah, what a lot of my. So my uncle is a big horse guy, and he goes to the Preakness every year. He takes like a whole tour bus up from Virginia Beach area. Why is he, why haven't you gotten the invite? I mean, you're closer than him. 
I have. We've had to turn it down for weddings. Yeah. Do you have wedding this? Yeah, <laughs> wedding this. This. Uh, when's the Preakness? Next weekend. Yeah, I do not think I have a wedding. All right, you better get on that wagon. I think I might have an event though. Of course you do. But yeah. <laughs> of course. We'll try. Do. But either way, okay. So weather's one thing. At the same point, this minuscule move. Do you feel like this was the right call, then, Tyler? It sounds like you're leaning that way. Yeah, I mean they 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 got it right. I mean they. Clearly, there was a, a a a fraction, and you know because there was a fraction, they called it. I mean, it, there's you can't. Um, I mean, I'm not a horse racing guy. I it took me probably to it's it's taken me probably 17 different looks at it to be like I don't understand what's going on. They they put like a little you know circle on it showing that it is that there's a mis. Malfunction. I'm like, I have, n- I, I would have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm like looking at a hay haystack with a looking for a needle. I mean, it just, I have no idea what they were looking at for, literally the entire time they were reviewing, to even now after people are like making a big deal about about on the news how, you know, what they're seeing. I'm still deeply confused. I'm sure for a horse person horse race person it's like you know i'm trying to see if the ball goes in or out of bounds um or like a catch you know we can we can pretty much say what a football catch is or when the ball's in bounds or out of bounds whether it be for soccer football basketball i'm sure it's the same thing if someone who takes horse racing seriously knows what that infraction is so the thing that I'm going to compare it to, because I'm thinking about, you know, spirit of the rules versus letter of the rule, and this may not apply here because, it, again, it, it really impacts safety in a big way is why they had to make this call. But it makes me think of that there was a call during the um, the national championship uh, with uh, Virginia and um, Texas Tech where the guy smacked the ball out of the player's hands and it went out of bounds. And on review, it was out on the player who had been holding the ball. But in every, you know, every game ever in the history of basketball, if someone knocks the ball out of your hands and it goes out of bounds, it's out on the guy who knocked it out of your hands. But because we have technology that lets you see that it brushes his pinky as it's smacked out of his hand, it's out on him. And while that's technically correct, anyone who plays basketball and has had that and, and knows how the game works... That is out of bounds on the player who knocked it out of his hands. And and so I feel like this is kind of a call like that. It's like, yes, it's technically an infraction, but he was far and away the better horse. Nobody got hurt, thankfully. Um, and just in the spirit of racing, they were just racing. There was nothing malicious there. And that's where I feel like the argument comes in that maybe this wasn't the right call. Not because it was technically correct or technically incorrect, but because the spirit of the rules and the spirit of the competition says that it should have just, you should just let it be. No, I mean, I honestly think that's the perfect ending. Great comparison, by the way, Drew. I think you hit on a lot there. Uh, That spirit of rules versus the way it's interpreted versus the way it's supposed to be interpreted. So a lot to dissect there. Listeners, we'd love to hear what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on our email. You can do that on Twitter at CAMB Podcast or email us at CAMB Podcast at otnmedia.org. Let us know who you think should have won. Should it have been Country Owl? Should it have been Maximum Security? We would love to know. 
On top of that, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash OTN. Exciting things coming out. We have our emote artists working on some emotes for Discord and for our Twitch channel. Hmm. So those should be coming out this next week. They're finalizing sketches now. So I'm excited to share those with you guys. And there's a lot more on Patreon as well. So patreon.com forward slash OTN. It's been a pleasure casting with you guys as always, Drew and Tyler, and I look forward to next week. Des caught it. This podcast is part of the Overtime Network. Get more at OvertimeNetwork.com.